Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today it's really a big, big pleasure because I have Melanie Mingas together with me. Hi, Melanie. How are you? Greg, I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? Very well. I am super thrilled to start this discussion because I already know what we are going to discuss. And I am super thrilled to get some insight, some additional insight on your global state research that you publish in late May. And uh, let's deep dive on that. But before we deep dive into this topic, as usual, in the first part, it's uh, the introduction of our today's top player. Today, you are the top player, Melanie, and therefore, could you please introduce yourself? Of course, Greg. Thank you. Um, and thanks also um, for inviting me on the CX Goalkeeper. It's the podcast everyone's talking about. Um, well, full disclosure, first of all, um, unlike your other guest, Greg, I'm not a CX practitioner um, or a CX goalkeeper or a CX beekeeper, um, although the episode with Christian was really, really good. Um, but I am the editor-in-chief of CX Network, so I am 100% dedicated to bringing CX practitioners and goalkeepers and beekeepers the information that they need to be the absolute best at experience management. Um, so as you may have guessed, my background is in business publishing. Um, and before I joined CX Network, work covered things like telecoms, hospitality, um, residential finance. So all very customer-centric industries um, that are all very relevant to what's happening here at CX Network right now. I'm happy to give you back the compliments because I also really enjoy to work together with you and to, to together to CX Network. CX Network, it's really a great resource to get information, to get insights, to find new ways to chat with people. And I really like and enjoy to have people that are not CX professional or the super experts in customer experience because customer experience is one important topic in business, but it's not everything. Perhaps for some people, it's everything. For others, it's one topic that it's relevant in business and therefore I really like to have also discussion uh, with, with people outside of the CX community so that we can learn and grow also in business because we are in the business and therefore I it's it's great introduction and super happy to to have you on the on the podcast and um, the second question I always ask is which values drive you in life yeah this is a big one um I guess it would have to be um <clears throat> I don't know. Um, freedom, hard work, and truth. Truth's a big one these days. There's a lot of a lot of misinformation out there, so I guess those would be my kind of three big ones. I I really like that. And perhaps uh, speaking about misinformation, therefore you are there. You can explain us better the global state re research that you publish. Before we deep dive in the statistics, data, and trends, and so on. From your point of view, as you said, a bit from an as an outsider in the customer experience world, how is customer experience evolving? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, well, a little background first on the global state. Um, it was a very broad survey. We covered 
um, top trends, budgets, omnichannel, customer behaviors, challenges in the role of the CX practitioner. Um, and the survey was open between January and March. We had 550 responses from our network members. Um, and we have found out that digital is everything right now. Um, and that isn't a surprise entirely. Um, but we did see this year that the momentum has been building now for quite a while. Um, but there's even more immersive channel technology on the horizon. Um, so there's a real focus right now on finalizing the foundations for digital CX. Um, getting that in place. We saw that across all industries and geographies. Um, and we saw that in response to the trends questions, top investment areas were also focused on digital um, re remapping journeys um, in customer behaviors, customers want convenience and other things that are best delivered through digital channels. Um, so we really saw this kind of um, we, we kind of came 360 really on digital CX. It's no longer, um, practitioners no longer thinking about this as individual parts of a strategy or individual functions in the business. Digital is everything and it's one experience in itself. And I think it's extremely difficult to differentiate digital and not digital because they are going together. They need to be synchronized. You already touched a lot of, of uh, interesting and, and important topics. Uh, the different geographies, the topic around digitalization, uh, the topic uh, around around data. Perhaps I think you identified three top trends in this uh, in, in your uh, global state research. Let's start speaking about them and then afterwards we will deep dive on each one. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Um, so we asked our network members which top three trends they believe will have the greatest impact on their role over the course of 2023. So quite a simple question, um, but do bear in mind that these are trends that they think will impact their job, their place in the organization um, and their priorities. Um, so it's not necessarily top trends in CX, um, but the answers were 37% um, said digital CX, um, which reinforces our kind of headline um, point for the whole report. 32% selected data and analytics and 29% selected conversational AI. So this just kind of reinforces how everything right now is about digital, digital as a whole, and also the elements um, that build a digital experience. Um, but yeah, let me know which one you want to dive into first. I, I think that the really interesting thing is uh, we are discussing a lot about different topics, uh, cultural topics, organizational topics. And in this case, it's really about digital and these are all the related to technology and leveraging the, the new opportunities that we have. And I think let's go through uh, in the um, sequence that you mentioned, uh, digital CX. How should we understand digital CX? Yeah, digital is... It's it's an approach. Um, it's not necessarily a type of experience. Um, it's about your organizational culture. Um, it's about the agility to um, to refine um, and edit journeys, if you will, in real time. Um, to personalize them. To um, yeah, it's it's about bringing the customer where they the you know the things that they want in the places that they want at the times that they want. And obviously that is um, that ties into convenience as well. But I mean, digital CX is really um, about being there on multiple channels. It's about making sure that you have some kind of response on every channel, whether that's chat GPT, you know, a generative AI um, or an actual human agent. Um, and it's making sure that those journeys are monitored as well um, to ensure that they're working correctly. Because as we both know, as consumers outside of the world of CX, um, there is nothing worse than a digital dead end um, or a broken journey um, or things that don't make sense when you just want to simply buy something or arrange a return or do whatever you need to do. Um, now, obviously, 
CX has existed for a long, long time, um, way before digital came along and all the technology that supports this. Um, but it's that convergence of experience as well. Um, I think that the technologies, the platforms that are available today, it is possible to recreate that, you know, the white glove service, the, the personalization that you used to get from your local grocery. Um, there's, there's a lot that we can do now in terms of online um, and customers want that to happen. I mean, as we all know, and this isn't just from global state research, customer expectations are set by the best experience they've ever had. They don't necessarily judge each brand by its own merits, if you will. Um, they have an amazing automated experience, for example, with Amazon, and then they expect, um, you know, some maybe some small clothes, boutique clothing brand to have that same technology on its back end for customer experience and service. Whereas, you know, the smaller companies, that's a huge investment. So they're not necessarily going to have that, but they do have to find a way to deliver that seamless journey. Um, so, yeah, I mean, digital is not just one set of tools. It's not just one approach to CX. It's about converging everything we know about experience and service to deliver it in a way that customers now expect a standard. I ex I like extremely how you formulated the last part because it's exactly what what it it's key. It's digital is the mean to create experiences for for the customer where they are and uh, what they want. And I think we could discuss uh, the full episode only about this topic. And I try to to pick out four topics that are always relevant and always coming up. And the the first one, and I think this is something that is extremely important. Everybody's discussing about that. Not so many companies are, are really doing that. That's my point of view with discussing with, with a lot of companies. It's uh, digital. It's not only the technological part, the implementation of the project, but as you said, it's about cultural setup. It's about governance. It's about organization. And this is uh, the key. And when you are defining this, this project, these digital initiatives, you said that in an extremely, extremely nice way. You need to be where the customer wants to be, want us to be, and when they want to be. And therefore, it's really focusing on them, having the customer uh, in mind from the beginning when you start project, yeah, when you start your digitalization initiatives, and not and not only at the end. Let's try if it's work or not. And what you said also, it's they don't want to have broken experiences. And I think that's the key. Before we discuss about wow moments and all this stuff, it's extremely important that the basics are working, that you can do or you can achieve your job job to be done. And as you said, it's it's really a pity, but it's the reality. It's a bit unfair from our customers, but they are comparing us with the best in class. And as you said, uh, we are all aware of Amazon, uh, how quick they are in the delivery, and therefore customers are expecting from everybody the, the same experience. Uh, in my corporate job, I am um, working in an hospital and they are comparing, the patients are comparing us also with Amazon, how quick they are, how digital they are and so on. And even if it's a completely different industry, exactly this is the same comparison. And the other comparison that I often uh, uh, hear, it's, it's about um, uh, our rooms where people then need to lie longer times and then they compare us with uh, with hotels and you say that's yeah nice, but yeah. this is an hospital yes but and therefore i think that's that's extremely interesting 
It is interesting. Yeah. Um, And on that point, Gregorio, so we actually, um, obviously our primary focus is um, kind of private sector, um, very much B2C. We do do a bit of B2B, um, um, but we also want to get more into public sector. Um, So we have a lot of patient, uh, a lot of contacts, sorry, who are in patient experience like yourself. Um, And we asked our respondents this year if they carry the same expectations for experience, customer experience, citizen experience, in their interactions with the public sector organizations that they do with the private. And 52% said that, yes, they do expect the same level of experience and service from public sector organizations. So we're talking your local government, you know, where you've been in the UK, where you pay a council bills to. Um, In the US, it would be state authorities, um, as well as hospitals, um, schools, for example, Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of different public sector organizations. And that's going to be really big for the public sector. I mean, it's not what we're going to talk about today. Um, But if you do need to talk about it again in future, um, there is going to be a huge drive for demand, particularly when that expectation transfer happens in public sector. And yeah, okay, you don't have the same um, choice as a citizen that you do as a consumer. So you can't just go, well, I'm going to pay my council tax for a different council this month. You can't do that. You have to stick with what you've got and you do have to go through the broken journeys and the friction and everything else. You have to persevere. Um, but that expectation is being transferred to the public sector now. And we are going to be looking into that in a lot more detail over the coming months. I think let's take out our agendas because we already have two additional yeah. episodes that we need to record and therefore let's schedule <laughs> the, the meetings. Now, joke aside, and also for the audience, uh, we continue through the list that you mentioned at the beginning. We discussed about digital CX, and now we are going to to the to the topic data. Uh, what uh, was the view of the respondents on data? Yeah, um, this was fascinating, if I'm honest with you. Um, obviously, data is a really big topic, and there are some really big things happening around data, particularly this year, um, because of third-party cookies. Um, now, there are some obvious things that our survey data confirmed, and that is that customer data is key to digital CX. We all know that. Um, and with digital, obviously, customer data can be utilized in a lot of different ways. Now, we didn't speak to consumers, but we are aware from our wider work in the CX community that data security and privacy are really, really important to consumers today. Um, now, Customers of brands and organizations are increasingly savvy about sharing their data with those brands and organizations. They know how it's captured, what it's worth. They know how companies can use it. Um, and they've mostly learned these things the hard way through the horror stories that we hear um, in the news. Now, while some of them want the benefits of having an organization use their data, let's say for personalization or convenience, um, they're not just going to give that data away anymore. Um, but also companies need that data more than ever. So there's a small point of friction there, um, which actually has the potential to become quite gulf between um, what customers are willing to give and what companies actually need in order to deliver competitive experiences. Um, But back to the main point, I mean, data means that CX is no longer a guessing game. And that's a huge development because customer data provides visibility and reach into CX. um, And that has the potential to drive the vision of an entire business. Um, But it needs to be captured. It needs to be analyzed. It needs to be presented to the right people. And that requires a lot of liaison with vendors. It requires, um, you know, Structural IT management projects, um, it can you know require a new IT architecture in your organization. Um, this isn't just a case of, oh, let's turn, let's flick a switch and you know, um, this problem will be solved, this, you know, this work will be in progress. 
Um, but that said, when it comes to the practicality of data, I think a lot of companies also need to assess how much data they ask for and if it's relevant to ask for that. You know, why do you need somebody's location if, you know, if it's not a location-based service that you're providing? Um, and I think companies also need to be very clear about how customer data will be used. Um, they obviously need to stick to that usage policy and there's, you know, there's a lot of um, consequences for not doing, but they do need to stick to that usage policy and they need to make it really, really easy for a customer to withdraw their data and their consent for that data to be used. And I think that that will really solve the trust piece um, that this friction point that I mentioned earlier um, has the danger of kind of opening up. Um, now, there's lots of different data sources that can be tapped to personalize a journey. It's not all just customers typing in their names and their email addresses and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's how they interact with websites. Um, it's how they move between channels. There's a lot of um, kind of reactive behind the scenes data that can be used to personalize a journey, for example, or to recommend products. Um, so companies really need to focus on building that treasure trove of first party data. Um, and particularly with personalization and individualization as that gains pace, because that is kind of the next step. Um, they need to get that creepy or cool mentality firmly fixed in their minds. Um, now that's about putting yourself in the customer's shoes and just allowing yourself to critically assess the notifications that you send, um, the things that appear on people's social feeds after they've looked at them on your website. And just ask yourself, is this creepy or is it cool? Because your customer will be asking themselves that. Um, and overstepping the mark on how data is used um, can have the complete opposite effect to what was intended. Um, now, we have a sister portal, Cybersecurity Hub, um, and they publish an incident of the week every week. Um, and it's all um, companies having customer data stolen in, in data breaches, cyber attacks, lots and lots of different things. Um, so I think that companies need to make a real proactive commitment to their customers. Um, and maybe, you know, as part of that, they can start to explain how data is being used in more of a B2C kind of way rather than 10 pages of terms and conditions, accept now, or, you know, you can't send this text message that you're in a hurry to send. And they pressure people to accept terms and conditions that they may not do if they, you know, if they read them properly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, data obviously has a lot of potential. We know what that potential is. We know the tools that need to be bought um, in terms of where the CS community is up to in doing that. Progress is strong, um, but there is a long way to go. And there's a huge barrier in terms of how customers want their data to be used and what they're willing to tolerate in terms of data use. Um, and nothing is ever going to be a success unless that customer demand is met and it's met authentically. Um, and with heart, like, you can't break this trust. Uh, I think the, with the word that you finished, I try to, to, to comment on that. Trust is key. Um, yeah. This morning in the news in Switzerland, uh, speaking about the public sector that you mentioned, uh, they shared that um, data from an important school uh, were stolen. And uh, school means children. And uh, that's that's the big, big topic about trust and ensuring that uh, if people are sharing data, that they can trust the companies, the public sector, that they, this data cannot stolen. Cybersecurity is one topic that, that you shared. And I think this, this is the key and the foundation. And afterwards, as you said, uh, gathering the data is one important piece, but the other is, as you said, structuring that and leveraging this data because to gather data only for the sake of having the data doesn't make sense. We know that a lot of companies are doing that. You you mentioned, for example, location-based. If you are if you are not in this field, why you are 
uh, getting this data and the amount of data is increasing and increasing and therefore you need also to focus which data you share which data you can share and how you can you want to to differentiate yourself and i think this topic it's also linked to to the last trend that you shared converse, conversational ai because also there are a lot of data required what's what's the view of the respondents on on conversational ai yeah, so we um, we actually conducted this survey just as ChatGPT was kind of exploding onto the scene. Well, release three anyway, um, and then release four, obviously, as commas, we're kind of writing it. So while our analysts um, have kind of spoken about ChatGPT and its relevance, um, we were asking about conversational AI rather than generative. Um, now, what we have found um, is that it's being used more. Um, it's being used for a lot of things. Um, and... There is definitely uh, there's momentum to embrace this and use it um, and leverage it to you know to achieve um, to achieve CX targets um, and drive better drive better experiences. Um, but there are barriers. Um, there are difficulties. Um, we're very much kind of finding our way on this as we go. Um, not necessarily in the dark, but we are very much kind of um, you know finding our path to this AI powered future as we are on path um so i think that the big um the big thing to take away from this is that large language models in particular are going to change everything i mean we kind of already know this um and i know we're going to talk in a little while about how the role of the cx professional is changing and ai is very very relevant to the future of the cx professional um but right now i mean we're at a point where people are trying out these large language models for automation um again when it comes to customer data there are um concerns, let's say, about data privacy, um, how large language models in particular use and reuse data. Um, and I think that in general, we're at a very early stage, um, but this is very much a focus area for everybody. I mean, when we asked about the top investment areas, conversational AI was number three, chatbots was number two. Um, it's very much, you know, people realize that this is very much the future. Um, it has huge potential when it comes to automation. Um, it can lower overheads. It can deal with customer queries in a much more efficient way. Um, but yeah, we are still at the very, very early stages. I think this is also an extremely interesting topic. Every day, it's a, a new evolution there, a new tool that uh, that we can leverage and, and, and we can use. A lot of people is uh, discussing about it. I don't know how many people are understanding that. That's the, the, the big question, but it's it's important to really, as you mentioned earlier also, create the trust that uh, companies are um, communicating, interacting with customers through these tools, and they need to be a trust there because you have third parties provided and they are playing also a, a role. Um, as you have a lot of additional insights on 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 this uh, global state research going through the main topics that uh, i picked out of it um any insight about automation yes um so last year automation wasn't a top 10 trend um but this year it was um now this is again is the trends that cx practitioners believe are going to change their role the most over the course of the year um so automation emerged as the fifth most important trend this year um and respondents are looking to automation to solve common challenges um kind of the same with ai um, and they do go hand in hand to an extent they're looking to reduce cx and ex costs they're looking to improve their nps scores um now, automation didn't make the top 10 in 2022. So again, this thing's the digital CX piece that we've kind of covered um, in some detail and also the emergence of AI as a key CX tool. Um, but we also had an open field question on automation. 
Um, so we asked people how they're using it um, in their organization. Now, some respondents said that analyzing contact channels um, to explore the feasibility of automation. Um, those with more advanced capabilities said they're hiring management level engineers um, and scaling their strategies to meet organizational targets. Um, and 42% of respondents elsewhere in the survey said that automation is critical for delivering CX at scale. Um, so again, it's all part of this wider play on digital CX where we're seeing priorities change, we're seeing investments change, we're seeing um, the outlook for an organization and the tools that are available to solve age-old problems change. Um, and the positive here is that CX practitioners are being very agile in how they respond to that um, and how they embrace these changes and put things like automation in place across their service and experience suite. I think automation, it's it's a great enabler on both sides, on the customer yeah. side, on the on the employee side. Uh, running through the, the older trends and important topics, uh, what's about sustainability? Because everybody is speaking about this topic. Is also uh, a big topic in this in this uh, global state research. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I could have done a whole survey just on sustainability, um, what brands are doing, um, how they want to um, position themselves at this important time um, for the climate, for everything that's happening um, with various reports, government pacts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, much like CX is very much at a turning point, um, sustainability is very much at a turning point right now as well. Um, we're all very aware that things are getting pretty bad um, and the need to change is incredibly urgent. Are we seeing all brands and organizations make changes um, and become more sustainable as quickly as we need? Not entirely, um, but there is demand from customers for them to do that. Um, now, obviously there are brands out there that are amazing at this. There are organizations that have built themselves um, as sustainable corporations from the very start, uh, like the digital natives that emerged like 20 years ago. These are the sustainability natives. And I'm talking the likes of Fairphone, um, the, the world's first fair trade smartphone. Um, you have it in cosmetics to an extent as well. Um, it's in retailers. There's um, an online supermarket in the UK now called Social Supermarket, and it's all fair trade products. Um, so you don't have to, as a consumer, you don't have to do that research yourself. You just go to that store and you know that they've done all the kind of um, checks for you. Um, but coming back to what our survey found, um, we saw that about 50% of respondents have observed a demand for sustainable or ethical business practices and working conditions, um, which is strong, but it's only 50%, isn't it? Um, now, we didn't ask them about meeting that demand, but obviously the customer demand is there. Um, and we have seen elsewhere in the survey that practitioners are obviously pivoting to respond to customer demands very quickly um, and mostly very effectively as well. So hopefully they can do that with sustainability just as they're doing with AI. Um, now, obviously, as things become more um, technology focused um, and the infrastructure pieces there and you know, the technology is working with renewable energy and things like that, that is going to make all organizations more sustainable. Um, but organizations can't just wait for the infrastructure to do the heavy lifting for them. They need to start doing things for themselves. And I'm talking about all those cardboard boxes that are in the postal system. I am talking about the plastic packaging that's everywhere. It's these little things like this that consumers are getting really, really tired about. Um, and it's supermarkets as well. You know, there's produce in supermarkets at the moment that isn't the freshest. Um, and that's happening because of climate change. But also then there's the waste issue, which comes back to sustainability as well. So that's a real um, that's a real problem in terms of um, retail store experience at the moment. Um, and I think there's only so much more that customers are going to put up for when it comes to 
you know, throwing away food all the time because things aren't as fresh as they used to be. Um, or, you know, having to deal with all this plastic waste and having to go to different recycling points because of the way that products have been packaged. I mean, that burden should not be placed on the consumer. Um, and I think that this isn't just a CX practitioner's thing. They can drive that change. They can drive the momentum. They can provide data to their peers across the organization, say, hey, our customers are going to start voting with their feet if we don't meet them at this, you know, at this demand. Um, but we do need to be mindful of this. Um, and I think that there is a lot more that all organizations can do, even though it doesn't necessarily sit entirely with customer experience. I think what you're saying is extremely important. This is the, the link between the purpose of a person and the purpose of a company. We need, yes. we should have shared values. And if we have shared values, we will have, we will have then customer for life because then you are going to buy from a company that has value like yours because you care about the same relevant thing. And sustainability is a big topic. And I really think that what you're saying it's important this is on a company level that needs to set clear goals but it's our duty and to be honest i don't care if you are a cx professional or not but it's our duty as human beings to care about uh, sustainability uh, i know that there are a lot of additional trends that we could discuss but based on the fact that we are running out of time i would ask this so what question it means Let's summarize that. You shared a lot of different trends. What's the impact on, on us, on the role of CX professional with all these trends and everything what, what, what you said from your point of view? It's a good question. Yeah. Um, so obviously we have put this question to our analysts that comment in the report. Um, and the general consensus is that this is a time of change um, and change is both scary, but also it's really, really exciting. Um, and it all kind of comes back to mindset from CS practitioners. Now, the, the job titles and job profiles that are being drawn into um, the CX um effort and work is changing. I mean, we've got like chief data officers now, we've got um you know, data architects, um, AI engineers, all sorts of people, and they're all becoming part of the CX effort. Um, now, this requires a, um, a certain mindset for those who've been in CX for a while. Um, they need to embrace the change. They need to move with the change, um, and they need to find the opportunities. Now, I think that we're going to come to a point over the next few years where CX kind of loses um, its shackles, if you will. And I'm not just talking about silos here. Um, I think that CX is very much going to become seen as a philosophy that goes across a business. Um, it's an approach to how a company works. It's an approach to culture. Um, like I mentioned, there are different job titles now coming into the CX effort. Um, and I think that that requires practitioners to be very entrepreneurial in their mindset. They need to be very agile mentally. They need to be thinking across the business. Um, I know we talk a lot about collaborative working in CX, but I feel as though the CXO, the CX practitioner, the CX leader in particular, not necessarily people who will be working with data and IT and user experience and things like that, but um, those kinds of more general CX roles are going to have to be a lot more versatile. Um, like I mentioned, a lot more agile in their thinking and their actual execution of work. Um, and they're going to be kind of working across an organization, I think, um, in a very effective way. They're not necessarily going to sit in a CX department. They're not necessarily going to drive CX targets. 
um, CX is going to be infused across the entire business because we are seeing that it's gaining recognition. I mean, we still hear from practitioners now that they have difficulty measuring the impact of what they do. They struggle to find ROI because there's so much different information that they need. But that in itself is the opportunity because CX goes across the entire organization. And if we all kind of step out of what we've been doing in the past and we do start to form those connections with finance, IT, um, product development, for example, um, feedback what CX has discovered um, and then find out what these different departments are working on as well. Um, and that's where CX becomes a really holistic um, approach to doing business rather than a department that's tasked with running the service suite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in in conclusion, I would say the role of the practitioner is changing, um, but it's going to get really, really cool. Um, things are getting really exciting. And especially with all the data that's coming into play, like this data can inform a business. So, you know, the person who has that data has a huge amount of career opportunity there if they use it correctly and they build the relationships correctly and they present their ideas in a way that people can understand. They can see the benefits and they want to come on board with that idea, project, strategy. Yeah. And the only thing that I can say is let's make that reality because what you described, it, it's it's great. And I think it's the, the only way to really create value for the customer, for the company, and for ourselves. And therefore, let, let's make that a reality. Now, I, I know it's quite difficult because we are already speaking about trends. Trends is something that uh, will happen in future. But let's jump now, in 10 years from now. Uh, you yeah. are, we are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Uh, what we are discussing about? Don't know. I've been thinking about this question for a long time. Um we're probably going to still be talking about omnichannel integration and sustainability, but, you know, the sea might be rising at the windows outside. Um, I hope that we're talking about um, how AI has revolutionized CX. Um, I hope we're talking about how all these technological changes that I've spoken about today, um, this kind of embracing a digital CX. I hope that we're talking about how it's driven career opportunities. I hope that we're talking about how it's created new ways to deliver fantastic experiences. And we might even be talking about the metaverse. I mean, there's a lot happening now in terms of immersive experiences. Um, and I think that's why digital has become so important this year. People realize that digital CX is actually just the beginning. It's not everything right now. We've seen over the last couple of years, like how far experience can go. Um, we're starting to see it happen in sports, for example, where you have augmented reality um, over a sports field. Um, and I think that as that develops, that is going to become more important, obviously, um, it is going to become central to experience creation, experience design, whether or not it's going to be our number one topic in 10 years. I don't know. Um, you know, it's three, four years now since 5G first emerged on the scene and we've still not got all the customer service benefits that that can bring. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things go. It wouldn't surprise me if things move really, really fast over the next few years. And we are talking about AI metaverse, all the amazing things that have been happening in CX. But again, there are budget issues, there are investment issues, there are human you know, human humans feeling overwhelmed issues. Um, and there's a lot of barriers to get into that point. So maybe we will still be talking about omnichannel integration. We'll we'll see. What do you think, Greg? Let's say, let, let's say I hope that we meet in the metaverse and then we can discuss in a much more uh, interactive and engaging way also also together with, with the audience. Be in the metaverse, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um um, the game is coming to an end, but in the extra time, I still have three questions for you. Is there okay. a book that you would like to suggest to the audience because it helps you during your career or during your uh, personal life? 
Yes. Um, so I've chosen a business book um, to kind of keep it all um, work related. Um, but the one I would recommend is called The Long Tail. Um, now, this came out about 2006. Um, it's written by Chris Anderson, who was the editor of Wired magazine um, at the time. Um, and it's about the change from mass appeal to niches. Um, now, this isn't directly a CX story, but obviously it's about consumer demand. And I think that at the point CX is at right now, reading this book, it's actually really inspiring. Um, it really got my brain kind of working and thinking. Um, it's a real idea driver rather than an instructional guide to how to do CX in the best possible way right now. Um, so basically, Chris talks about how um, manufacturing product development, you know, global distribution chains, they were all about mass appeal. Like this is the world's most popular drink and everybody's going to have it in every single market. Um, but then obviously manufacturing, production, development, it, it all changed. And we were able to cater to loads and loads of individual tastes. Um, and the long tail is about how individual tastes um, cumulatively are now a bigger market um, by volume than the mass appeal. Um, and I think there's huge lessons in here in terms of personalization in CX, individualization, um, how technology can enable um, continued development and evolution, um, and a few other themes as well. I won't give the whole book away, but it's good. It's a good book for business but it's also very inspirational for CX practitioners and leaders right now as well. Thank you. And what's the best way to contact you? Um, oh, I'd say email, but there's always so many emails. I need like a, a contact center agent to handle them all. Um, LinkedIn is a great way to contact me. Email um, melanie.mingus at iqpc.com. Um, you can also reach CX Network um, through Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're kind of everywhere. And being called Melanie Mingus, there aren't many people with my name, so it's pretty easy to find me. And you will find all the um, contact details also in uh, in the show notes, and you will find also the link to the next events that uh, CX Network is organizing because there are a lot of interesting events that you can uh, you can participate. Not you, Melanie, you the audience, and this is a really great event, and I think it's it's really important to have uh, this exchange. Let, let's conclude this uh, game, this discussion with uh, Melanie's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to leave to the audience. Yeah, um, golden nugget is a bit difficult, um, but I guess based on our conversation today, um, I'd have to say that um, we just need to stop thinking about CX as a separate part of the business. Um, and like I said before, this isn't about silos. CX isn't a single team. It isn't one department's responsibility. It doesn't even have a single source of truth when it comes to measuring its success or financial impact, for example. Um, and I think it's really crucial that practitioners at all stages of their careers just really understand and embrace that position because there's so much freedom and possibility right now. Um, practitioners and leaders, they can work in an entrepreneurial collaborative way. Um, they, you know, they can become customer advocates who connect the operations and the sales and the marketing to ensure that the person who receives that product or service or experience is happy with it. Um, and I do believe that that's where CX is going to be over the next kind of year or so. Um, and also looking ahead as AI becomes more prominent, people in customer facing careers will have significant career opportunities, like we said. Um, the next big skill is probably related to data collection analysis. So, you know, skill up on that areas. Um, but it's just hard to, again, you need to get into the entrepreneurial broad view mindset now so that you're ready to seize those future opportunities as they arise. And I think that would be um, the best nugget that I can offer based on the data that we've that we've collected this year. 
Thank you very much, Melanie. And to the audience, I think we, we shared with you some insights. Please take the time to download the Global State Research and have a look at it. If you have any additional questions, feel free to contact Melanie or me. I will forward then all, all these questions uh, to, to the CX network. Uh, Melanie, please stay with me. To the audience, it's everything. Thank you very much for your time. And as you know, we love feedback. Please feel free to contact us. Thank you very much and have a great day. Thanks, Greg. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth, subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!